0: What's up, friends? It's Haley, AKA Bird, and you are tuning in to the Give em the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in, now let's give them the bird. hello my friends and welcome back to the give on the bird podcast my name is Haley, aka bird and per usual i am so excited to have you here on this week's episode i get to chat with someone that I have looked up to on the Instagram for a really long time, and it was truly a pleasure and a little bit of a fangirl moment when I got to chat with her. I'm gonna introduce her here in a second, but I do wanna take just a brief moment, since this episode is dropping on Memorial Day, to remind you what this day is all about and to encourage you to find some moments today to honor the brave women and men who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Now, for this week's episode, I got to interview Maria Sylvester Terry, who is a registered and licensed dietitian and who has her own private practice in New Orleans. You might know her on Instagram at vitamin underscore re. She's amazing. A little bit more about her. Her mission is to provide nutritional guidance from a lens of self-care and to help clients go from confused to confident with food choices. Working with Maria means cultivating a positive relationship with food, learning how to fuel your body consistently, and approaching nutrition without restrictive food rules. As a former teacher, Maria strives to deliver educational and encouraging content on social media to break through the cacophonous noise of diet culture. Maria is amazing. So this episode, again, right when we hopped on Zoom, I was like, holy shit, I'm having a bit of a fangirl moment. She's like, yeah, that happens to people I've gotten that before. And I was like, you are so cool. But being able to chat with her for an hour, I will tell you that Maria is exactly as she appears to be online. She is incredibly genuine. She is incredibly dedicated to providing a client-centered approach to her clients. And she is not tied to one framework or another, which is all about what a client-centered approach is about, and you really, really will understand that when you listen to this episode. We cover so many amazing things, and it's funny because going into the interview, I had a list of like four or five different topics that I wanted to get through. We got through one, (laughs) and oh, it's so good. Maria had told me, she was like, I don't think we're going to make it through all of these, and I was like, watch me, girl, we will, and she was totally right we focused on like one area and we dove in head first. But to give you a rough outline of what this episode looks like, Maria starts by telling us about her journey from being a teacher and then becoming a dietitian within the last two or so years. It's funny because I totally thought she had more of like a classic approach to becoming a dietitian, like she was a teacher and then she realized that her relationship with food and, you know, nutrition was in the gutter. And she was like, I want to change this. I want to help people. But she really describes how it was not that kind of classic approach. And it wasn't really glorious that she found herself becoming a dietitian after she, you know, her words were that her mental health was in the trash (laughs) or in the garbage and how that really fueled this, um, this change to become a dietitian partnered with seeing her dad go through issues with nutrition and food as he struggles with Crohn's disease. Um, so it was. it's really a cool story what brought her to be where she's at today, and it really informs this non-diet gray area approach that she takes to food and nutrition, which again, you're totally going to understand when you listen to this episode. Um, she shares how fat phobia really dictated what health and fitness and being healthy and fit looks like for her beginning from a very young age i mean she talks about like at her two-month appointment i think it was how she doesn't necessarily have memories but she has memories from the remarks that people have told her over the years about how big she was as a baby and what some of her habits were and um even how that fat phobia and like weight center and weight centric Um, family and society approach to healthy and health and fitness, how that really informed what it meant for her. And and she, it's funny because as she was telling about what some of her behaviors were that she didn't even know were problematic, like they are telltale signs of a disordered relationship with food and exercise. And she said she didn't even realize that until after she got into dietetics, which I thought was really, really interesting. And To sum really up what this relationship with food and movement and healthy and fit, how it looks today compared to how it used to be, she says, you know, now it's me with me instead of me against me. And I think that's such a beautiful approach and a beautiful way to describe the journey that she walks us through. She then goes in to talk about this gray area approach to nutrition, what it looks like um, for her and for her clients. And this is why I was so fucking pumped to have Maria on, because this is what she does. It's gray area. It's, you know, moving away from the all or nothing mentality. And one of the things that we talk about is this somewhat of like frustration that, She shared, she's heard from her clients and that I've actually heard from from students that I meet with, this kind of like frustration towards anti-diet culture and how... You know, I think of it as there's moments where anti-diet culture can be super hypocritical because um, it's providing these rules and this framework for eating and being while it's shaming diet culture for having rules and frameworks for eating and being. So we just have a really good conversation about that. And I think the points that she hits on. It really helped the way that I view this conversation and this topic, and I think um, it might help some of you folks, too, who maybe you're expressing or feeling that frustration yourself, or maybe you're seeing other people express it online and you want to try to understand and empathize with it a little bit better. So I think that'll be really helpful. And then we get into the bread and butter, (laughs) Maria's bread and butter, which is right now, you know, approaching goals and accountability from a non-diet lens And she talks all about, you know, using curiosity and flexibility rather than judgment. She references Atomic Habits, which is a book by James Clear. And I have not read this book. I have it purchased, but Tyler's actually reading it right now. And once he finishes it, I'll read it. Um, But I'll I'll go ahead and link it in the show notes for you. She does give a bit of a trigger warning that there is some talk about fasting in the book. But um, besides that, she references a couple of the um, strategies that James uh, recommends in his book, which are two-second tasks and if-then statements, which she gives really great examples of and I think are super helpful to incorporate into your life in, in regards to making changes with your behaviors and setting goals. And then she also talks about this really, really cool point of being able to set a goal down and being okay with that rather than feeling a f- like a failure. And we just talk about how in our society, not finishing something or not following through with something is totally looked at as a failure and like a, a personal flaw, when really it just means that I got to go back to the drawing board and I have to figure out why didn't this goal work for me? It's it's not because I'm a failure or because something's wrong with me. It's just because my relationship with that goal wasn't where it needed to be. So I think that... That was a really, really cool point and kind of an aha moment for me during this episode that I'm really excited for you to all hear about. As you can probably tell, yes, I've had some caffeine as I'm recording this. So I'm talking really fast, but my fast talking and lots of talking is really fueled by how pumped I am to share this episode with you. Maria is amazing, I love her approach, and I really am excited to hear what some of your big takeaways are from this episode. You may wanna have a pen and a paper or the notes section up on your phone as long as you're not driving in the car, um, because there's there's some really, really good points in this and takeaways that I think you might wanna make some notes of or, or jot down. Uh, Maria does provide her contact info, which you will find in the show notes. So feel free to reach out to her. And before we dive in, I just want to remind you that if you are enjoying this podcast, if you listen to this episode and you really, really love it, feel free to head on over to Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. Rate, review, follow, subscribe, do all the things that you can do because. GTB is growing, my friends, and you providing those ratings and those reviews really helps me to continue growing and to continue bring on amazing guests like Maria. So, enough of me. Enjoy this awesome episode with registered dietitian Maria Sylvester Terry. All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Give em the Bird. On today's episode, I am chatting with the amazing, the brilliant, the hilarious. Maria Sylvester Terry. Welcome, Maria. Thank you
1: so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I am super freaking pumped. Um, A little bit uh, fangirly moment right now. (laughs) Like, I feel like I'm talking to an absolute celebrity.
1: Or not, but I'm still excited to see that
0: energy today if I like. I could be a total jerk if you'd like. (laughs) No, 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 no. Be yourself. Literally it's in the ten minutes that we've been chatting, I'm like, yeah, you are who you seem like you are online. And I really like that.
2: Oh,
1: thank
0: you. Yes, you're 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 very you're awesome. So before we dive into all things nutrition and dietetics and food and movement, all that. Give us a rundown of who you are. This can be personally, professionally, anything you want the people to know.
1: Sure. Um, So my name is Maria. You can call me Ri. I have been a dietitian for about two years now. Before I was a dietitian, I was a middle school and high school English teacher. And I was pretty dedicated to becoming an assistant principal or a principal by the age of like 26. Oh, wow. And and my life derailed very, very abruptly when I decided to leave education. Mm -hmm. So part of me becoming a dietitian is recognizing that life changes all the time and you don't always get it right. And you can also think you know exactly what to do and actually be totally off for yourself, Mm. totally wrong for yourself. So I bring a lot of that flexible energy to the nutrition space. Um, A lot of stress-free talk because I was really stressed as a teacher. So Mm. that was an interesting time in my life. And I'm really glad to be sharing my knowledge as a dietitian. Mm. I live in New Orleans with my husband, my two dogs. I am a private practice dietitian. So I run my own business, see my own clients here and virtually. And I also uh, provide nutrition counseling through uh, a gym here in new orleans called crew fitness
0: nice very cool yeah. and if you um listeners are lucky enough to be watching this on youtube you are seeing the dogs yes yes and i so love
1: here. it <laughs> she's Josie giving you a kiss?
0: <laughs> she's so cute i don't have many uh youtube watchers but i have a feeling that like maybe when people are hearing this they're like i gotta see the dogs like you yes know.
2: No, absolutely
1: how, how do you say I'm no well. to that
0: it's <laughs> so cute oh my gosh <laughs> freaking adorable I, I love that she's just licking you like
1: well i'll full disclosure i am coming from the
0: gym oh absolutely getting that sweaty sweaty salt off yeah healthy girl (laughs) so cute i love it yeah i i love how you started as a teacher and now you're a dietitian and i want to know more about that because i think even though you know gtb is all about like challenging societal expectations around like body size and movement and like what it means to be healthy and fit I've learned like through the podcast that I also just in my life like to challenge all sorts of societal expectations. And I think one of those is like this idea that you figure out what you're going to do at age 18 and then you just stick to that path. And like you can't deviate from it, you can't pivot at all. And I think you are the prime example of like, no, you actually can and you can be really successful. And it's never too late to do that. So I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit more about what that transition looked like. Like, how did you decide that you wanted to be a dietitian? Like what, what was the the driving force behind that?
1: Yeah. It's really strange because it's not like I, you know, had great experiences with dietitians because I did not, I wasn't like deep inside. I want to be a dietitian. It was never that way. I essentially find that like, I talk about gray area a lot of nutrition. There was also a gray area in this like career change piece where Mm -hmm. there's either one side of the spectrum, which is you do what you were planning to do and you stick to the plan and you stay there for 40 years. The other side of it is like, quit your job, girl. Come pass, babe. <laughs> just like travel, be a travel blogger. 100k, just like sneeze it out of your body. Like it's just very exuberant and strange mm-hmm. and like manifesting success. And like that comes with a lot of privilege. Mm-hmm. And I was in a situation where I was had really poor mental health. My mm-hmm. mental health was in the Like the total trash. And it was there because of, you know, years of perfectionist mindset. I myself lived in a very all or nothing place in my head. And what that led to is wanting to be the very best teacher I could be, which is sweet and wonderful and was killing me. Mm. So I had everything you'd ever want, you know, in terms of like what society says you want. I got married, I bought a house, um, I was making a lot of. Uh, I was making a lot of money for being an admin and a teacher in a charter school. Mm -hmm. I was helping kids and I was doing all the the right things. What I wasn't doing is I wasn't taking care of my body. I wasn't taking care of my head. And I was confronted with that in like a pretty weird, like out of body experience, panic attack situation that I had been having lots of struggles with panicking and lots of struggles with anxiety Mm -hmm. For probably years, um, but just kind of like white knuckled it. it. was like, let's light a candle. It'll be fine. <laughs> or <went out laughs> Fucking your candles. Yeah. Like, well, I don't ever bring a lavender can- candle into this house because I sure as hell went through so many lavender candles, like it's good for you. Oh you know, my God. A lot of juice. And I like, you know, did the thing. I ate, ate acai bowls. Like I did it all and it was nothing. So I very abruptly left my job and i was a primary um like had the primary salary in my household and mm. that presented a lot of challenges because we had no idea what we were going to do but i could not continue to work so i did not just like leave my job and become a dietitian i left my job and was like fuck what what, now? what am i going to do
0: holy cow so
1: it led me to therapy check plus. Um, but I had limited benefits cause I obviously had left my job. So yeah. I was like using whatever sessions I had had. And, um, it, it allowed me to see that all or nothing really ran my life. And mm. that probably the next stage of my life wasn't going to be right or wrong. It just needed to be good fit. Mm. So I was a teacher, right? So it's great with kids. So I started nannying and I was a for, formerly a yoga teacher in oh. college and i realized well i'm all scrappy in that way like well, what do i have to like throw together here um i'm i would be great on chopped like hundred percent i i threw together this like summer of me nannying for four boys wow. which was intense and then also getting back into teaching yoga i recertified mm-hmm. and probably by january i was pretty much determined like all right i think this dietetics thing is something i want to do because i realized How wrong I had it about nutrition. I was so stressed all the time that I was like relying on nutrition to be this like bullet that fixed everything, the silver bullet solution. And I actually was putting so much pressure on myself to perfect it with fitness and nutrition, all that stuff. And it really wasn't helping me at all. So I kind of reflected on some experiences that really crafted my headspace. One is that my dad was has been sick pretty much my whole life with Crohn's disease and has never once seen a dietitian. So he You know, I I was raised watching him be sick, experience being sick, feel terrible and eat really strangely like he ate white bread in the 90s. That was a sin. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of things I watched my dad do and I was like, why can't my dad feel better? So I kind of thought like maybe I want to go into some sort of nutrition counseling for GI or gut health. And then I thought about um, going into psych. I looked at school counseling positions. I knew I wanted to be in some sort of counseling, guiding role that Mm -hmm. wasn't like interfacing with people every single day, like children, grading, parents, like that kind of Mm -hmm. monotony. So I decided I'm going to just not do anything right or wrong. I'm going to take a couple courses at the local community college and see Mm -hmm. what I like. Wow. I really love nutrition, and then all memories started flooding back of all my really awful dietetic experiences as a kid. Because mm-hmm. I was, you know, uh, high on the growth chart, mm-hmm. and was like, you know, I was crucified for by my pediatrician. And I realized, well, dietitians don't have to be that way, and I know that, mm-hmm. and I can do something different. So it kind of became this: like, how could I help kids in a different way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe I could present a different experience for them from another role in their life my dietitian's made me hate my life and my pediatrician is a monster she didn't mean to be a monster but in my memory and my like paradigm of what pediatrician is not a good look and I mm. thought you know what well I still want to work with people parents kids still want to do all of that and I'm going to help them in a way that feels like a good fit for me and my mental health and a way that really supports other people's mental health without them even realizing it. So taking the stress out of nutrition is like the number one thing that I can do for someone. Mm. And so it truly was not like, a, I had this itch inside of me to become an RD. Like I was like, shit, I got to go to school for this. Like, yeah like oh um I and which meant I dabbled into that other end of the spectrum right of like well what if I just became a coach what if I just became a fempreneur and I just like made an Instagram and did it and I just like went to an integrative holistic yeah. you know et cetera, et cetera functional mm-hmm. medicine nutrition course thing and I realized well you know you didn't get this far in life to like to take a weekend course and then claim all these things you can't. Yes. I like to be authentic to not necessarily honoring like classical education. I mean, that's problematic in and of itself, but I wanted to do right by people.
2: Mm -hmm. I had
1: not been done well by people in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. So that's a very long answer to your very small question, but I think it's important to establish that like, it wasn't like this kind of classic coming of age, coming of our detail of like, I struggled with food. Like I didn't even realize I struggled with food until I was at rock bottom Mm -hmm. and pivoting in a career. Like I really did not realize how bad it was.
2: Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of looking back on what mattered to me and how to live a life that felt really authentic to me.
0: kind of meant doing things differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that story. And I had no idea that that was what it looked like, like, in my head, you know, it was just, I was a teacher. And then I decided, uh, you know, like, I didn't, we don't see the struggle a lot of times. Um, And it's also interesting, my dad also had Crohn's disease. So I can totally relate to that like wanting to help and, and seeing all that and everything. I'm curious because you mentioned that, you know, I didn't even realize that I was struggling until I hit rock bottom. One thing that I talk about a lot on this podcast is like how our definition of what it means to be healthy and fit has like changed over the years. And I'm curious if you can give us kind of an overview of what that has looked like from you for you. like. Mm-hmm. You know when you were younger what did healthy and fit look like and then to where you are now how has it changed and what does that mean for you yeah i think this is this is uh like trigger
1: warning diet talk like Mm -hmm. all over it um i think growing up um my first like story of my weight was when i was two months old apparently i doubled my body weight so a whopping 14 pounds she shook the scales. Like what? Like I was told you were the hungriest baby. You loved nursing. Like, like, yeah. What baby doesn't? Genetically programmed to love nursing. Like that's how biology. (laughs) I had heard a lot growing up that like my pediatrician, the OG, the only one I had for 18 years was very much like, Oh, give her water when she's thirsty. Like, which you like, don't do y'all. You don't do that. So, you know, six months might be water time, maybe a year. I I don't remember that part of uh, life stage nutrition, but it's not, it's not when you're just because you're too fat as a baby. So fat phobia really dictated a lot of what I thought health looked like. I grew up in an environment where like, I love my mother and she struggled a lot with her experience with nutrition because she was frequently following Weight Watchers off Mm -hmm. and on and off and on. I grew up with, you know, copies of the zone diet, Whatever diet Oprah Winfrey was suggesting, the military diet, the Vogue diet, the hot dog, the diet with the hot dogs and the cottage cheese, everyone in my family was dieting. Mm
2: -hmm. Except
1: my dad, right? Because my dad couldn't, but his relationship with food was also really turbulent. Um, Everyone in my family grew up a little chubby, like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not even, maybe like actually, actually carrying a lot of weight that concerned a pediatrician to say something, e.g. me. But for a lot of us, it was always weight centered. But then when I left mm, high school, I didn't. I literally had no idea what it looked like. I just always have seen myself as the five-year-old who went to the dietitian who was Mm. told you're going to weigh X number of pounds in five years if you don't start eating less. Here's an interesting story. Mm -hmm. My pediatrician said, "Do you eat as much as your dad?" And I said, "No." She said, "Do you eat more or less than your dad?" And I said, "More." She did not know my dad had Crohn's disease. Wow. My dad could not eat a lot of food at once, Mm -hmm. or he would immediately be sick. Mm-hmm. So she said, well, you know, when you're up getting seconds and your dad's sitting down, you should think twice. Oh my gosh. She'd go out for a run instead, instead of walking to the kitchen, go outside and play. And so I really, in my mind, shaped this idea of I will be healthy. I will be strong. I will be all these things I'm supposed to be if I am thin. Mm. So because I had no concept of what I really looked like, I just assumed you are this little fat kid from you know, five years old.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: went to high school really hard on myself. Nothing like, you know, cataclysmically bad, but mm-hmm. just really hard on myself. College, got into fitness. Never really was into fitness. I like going to the gym, so I didn't have to go to gym class in high mm-hmm. school, yeah. <laughs> but I definitely was like, get me out of gym class. Mm-hmm. I was always big class, like could not do any of the presidential fitness test, nothing like
2: mm-hmm.
1: very turbulent relationship there as well. So by the time I got to college, I started running and teaching yoga and doing those things. I was like socially smoking and I like stopped smoking I started feeling like maybe I'll be vegetarian. I started to dabble and then the compliments started rolling. Yep. Um, oh my God, you look so good. What do you do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm stressed as hell and I run 20 miles a week. Oh
2: shit. Mm.
1: And then it became 40 miles. Oh wow. Like, oh, well now I do have marathons. I went to school on a mountain, so I hiked a lot. Mm. And I just, I'll never forget people being like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. It wasn't, it wasn't really until I was beyond this point. And I looked back and I was like, oh, you didn't eat. Like you, you did not function. I was sick all the time. I had horrible memories in college of being on antibiotics at the time.
2: Wow. I was
1: um, like, gurneyed out of a, 200 300 year old building uh went to a very old school um because i couldn't breathe because i had bronchitis my body could not fight it i like passed out could not get oxygen and nobody was like hey talk to a dietitian about eating regularly because you seem to be running yourself ragged so that became the narrative Mm -hmm. is that when i was stressed I ate perfectly and I exercised extra because that's what Dr. Oz said to do mm-hmm. that's what Oprah said to do I'm like popping vitamins and then like staying up for 40 hours in a row mm-hmm. so that became the routine for me probably all the way through my first year of teaching which is a really rough wow. time Shout out to any first year teachers who are listening to this um or anyone who wants to be a teacher that first year is really hard and I relied on running as mental health And it was really helpful, but then I started getting injured. And then when you get injured, you think you can't eat as much, even though you should be eating more. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then it just became lots of weird health issues. A lot, like itchy all the time. Oh, wow. I was allergic to sugar, of course, because that was the narrative at the time. Um, You know, the thing that your body runs on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Just that little important thing. So all that wrapped up, take that into six years of teaching. Wow. And then I don't have anything. I don't have my mental health. I don't have my physical health. My hair's falling out. I'm miserable. I have horrible hormonal acne, very painful. Um, felt winded all the time. Could not like eat a full dinner and not feel sick to my stomach because I was so stressed. So I'd say health looked very much like if you aren't white knuckling your nutrition and fitness, you're not doing it well enough. And then everything had to change, which is, am I sleeping enough? Do I see a therapist? Do I go on walks during the day? Like do I at night even? Like do I take time to be outside? Do I go 20 minutes uh and work and then take a 5 minute break? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I was teaching my kids Pomodoro method, but I was was, was working twenty to you know, felt like I was working twenty hours a day.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So health looks very different now. Health looks Mm -hmm. like you prep food for yourself because you need it there because you have a podcast interview at one and you're coming from the gym and you're going to need food in between. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's become very much me with me rather than me against me. That Mm is that is the summation of everything I just said in four seconds. Mm
0: -hmm. Me with me instead of me against me. Mm, Yeah,
2: it's health
1: that I had to pursue. I had to earn it. Mm -hmm. I had to prove it right to my to my dietitian, to my pediatrician, my blood work. Right, I had to like Mm -hmm. prove that I was working on my thyroid antibodies. Spoiler alert: I still have thyroid antibodies and everything else is (laughs) normal. But like here I was as a kid thinking like, if I just drank more water and didn't have a sip of my mom's diet coke, like I would be better. Like these absurd thoughts. But Mm -hmm. you know, trauma is a trick thing.
0: Yeah. So you really, what I, what I love is that you really walk us through how you came about to find this like gray area when it comes to your work, you know? Um, so I'm curious if you, I mean, I feel like you've given a really great overview of what that even looks like. Like I can, even if I'm somebody who doesn't know what the gray area approach to like food and nutrition, everything sounds like, I feel like from your story, I can gather that, but I'm curious, like when it, when it shows up as your work with clients, like how? What? What does your approach look like? What does gray area nutrition and like diet dietetics? What does that even mean? What does it look like? Yeah.
1: So I'll say what it isn't first, which mm. some people think that it's like fence sitting. Um, I've mm. I've run into some folks that are like, oh, we're well, just a fence sitter. You just want to enjoy all the tools of dietetics and make all of the outcomes happen for your clients. E.g., use intuitive eating for weight loss.
2: Mm. That's- Mm -hmm. that's
1: called co-opting yes um so i want to name like it's not um it's not like eating broccoli with a cupcake or something like it's not like this like perfect marriage because the thing is that it's not perfect Mm so mainly when i work with clients we talk a lot about not feeling right or wrong according to society and really identifying what works for you in this moment
2: Mm.
1: and then acknowledging that what works for you now might not work for you later yes so that's like a huge premise it looks like one of two things lately that i'm seeing one is the recovering dieter someone who's like really done in a restrictive mindset but they feel like they have to work out every single day and Mm. they feel like they have to prep every single meal and they can only eat croissants on the weekend and that's their weekend pleasure and so we break the little rules that's Mm. what it means to step into the gray area a little bit so okay it's not all or nothing where are you in the middle? Like, can we try one thing this week that is new or different? Can you go buy the cereal and see what happens? Had mm-hmm. a client I started working with a year ago, and she's successfully no longer binging. And she got there pretty quickly because she stepped into that gray area of like, I know I'm going to eat everything that's in my house right now. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to buy one thing at a time to challenge that, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like, balls to the wall, like you're yes. going to do now. The flip side is I also have many clients who are very tired of the anti-diet space on Instagram because they have now lost all concept of nuance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They have lost context of what felt good to them. I often ask these, <laughs> these clients, any client really, well, what worked for you on the old diets? Mm-hmm. No one likes that question, but you're like, oh, well, when I was on Weight Watchers, I really, I realized I liked yogurt. Or when I was doing ex paleo, I realized how much I liked you know, sweet potatoes, if they're even allowed, or like whatever it was. We're going to use all the things we know about you. And we're also going to use the concepts of intuitive eating. If those apply to you, if those even are relevant to you, and we're going to figure out what is the structure you need. Mm. So part of the gray area is also identifying structure. It's not always just breaking rules. It's Mm -hmm. also building up structures so that, you know, I can eat at 11, 12, or one. Or what if you work a night shift and all this like, eat when you want, babe, kind of concepts don't apply. Mm -hmm. Well, this is how we can apply it. We can say, this is, you know, this is a good time for you to eat. This is what we can be having. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: I had someone who recently was like, I feel like, you know, I'm supposed to be enjoying all the foods. I'm supposed to be choosing a cupcake when there's salad, because diet culture says, eat the salad. It's like, well, what are you, what do you say? Yes. Um, so there's also a lot of that. So I would say for me, uh, depending on the client, it looks different, but mm-hmm. ultimately it is identifying what are your all or nothing perfection rules, how to do it perfectly, even if it isn't due of eating
2: mm-hmm. and we
1: break that up.
2: Mm-hmm. And then we also
1: rebuild a structure that feels like, Hmm, eating a snack every three hours is an easier approach for me than meals because it's my lifestyle, my finances, my schedule, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I feel really good. I feel really energized. Okay, great. We don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to tell anybody what you're doing. Yes. You know, like, I feel like there's also that, like, I got to
2: show it.
0: Yes. I don't have to show it. You just have Mm -hmm. to show up for yourself, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. You really take the whole person into account, right? Like, because I think a lot of times, and I'm curious if you can, would maybe be able to share more about the people feeling like kind of fed up about like how anti-diet is showing up on Instagram because I, I've i been meeting with people who are saying the exact same thing um, and just how they feel like it's, but what if I actually do want the salad? Or what if I actually do want a meal prep because it saves me time and it saves me money and then I can actually eat regularly? Or what if I actually do want to go for a run, right? Because diet culture, tells us, or kind of anti-diet culture, you know, there's that like running is bad, like you only run right, if you wanna lose right, weight, right? right? So I'm curious if you can talk more about that, like what your thoughts are on kind of that frustration potentially. Um, and yeah, just kind of what comes to mind when you think about that.
1: Yeah, so what comes to mind is probably surprising maybe to some listeners because like, this is a nutrition podcast or concept
0: mm-hmm.
2: today.
1: The thing is that we can probably all identify diet culture is really harmful and some of us are still working through identifying where the origins of diet culture are and inherently within that is anti fatness, Mm -hmm. white supremacy, anti blackness. And so let's start there. And symptoms of a white supremacist culture, It, it would include perfectionism, either or thinking. Um, I highly recommend reading Sabrina Strings um, to identify even any of the research that she's done to just identify even just like what it means to utilize BMI as a health metric. Mm. Like, what is that? What is all this that's happening here? If we just put put a pin in that for a moment. Okay. So then we have this situation where people are struggling with anti-diet culture and oh my God, it's like all these new rules, all these new things. Well dietetics is also exceptionally white and female yes and a lot of people come into dietetics practice from a weight central or like a weight focus weight management type of concept and maybe they shift they learn they're like this is not what i want to do this is more like older dietitians newer dietitians are coming in more like weight neutral mm-hmm. have they done the work of untying their either or thinking mm. of needing the, of the right to comfort of perfectionism myself included Mm
2: -hmm. are you
1: grappling with that are we making the steps we need to make in order to create a an environment where our headspace can operate outside of that thinking Mm. it never really can but are we trying Mm -hmm. so then we have the client and the client is also struggling with either-or thinking. It's also struggling with doing it right, with being perfect, because we have this ideal body size, this ideal look, this ideal image that we're never going to attain. We're going to dump all of our money into trying to attain. We have a lot of things happening, right? Mm-hmm. So it's no—it's a no-brainer to me that you present someone with a framework, you present someone with the opportunity to make graphics, to create videos, and it kind of comes out like a white lady's telling you what to eat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or telling you what not to eat, including Mm -hmm. cauliflower. Don't eat cauliflower. Cauliflower is the devil. Give cauliflower a break. It's working overtime as pizza crust and mashed potatoes. Um, It's still just cauliflower.
0: I recently ate cauliflower rice for the first time and I actually really like it.
1: This is a safe space. This is a brave space. (laughs) Share that here. Like there's. We can acknowledge that there is harm in diet culture mm-hmm. while also acknowledging that we often apply the same all or nothing thinking, the same black and white thinking, the same perfectionism to anti-diet. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have now just, we've just now made it more fun, right? Now mm-hmm. we can more food over here mm-hmm. where it still sometimes carries this weight and pressure of needing to get it right
2: mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. needing for it to, I hate this part, needing for it to feel good. Mm-hmm nutrition doesn't always feel good especially it doesn't feel good if you don't freaking food access Mm -hmm. like these are the things that get missed when diet culture slash anti-diet culture becomes a sort of improve your life Mm -hmm. it becomes healthism right like yes you owe this to yourself invest in my program it's 4.99 a month Mm -hmm. no shade Mm -hmm. at anybody who's you know quote charging their worth but like what are we charging for exactly the framework Mm -hmm. to do it right are we promising results that might not be sustainable? It mm. sounds like diet culture to me a little too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, none of these opinions are popular. And I realize that I'm kicking my shoes off. I'm really getting into myself. It's so um, funny. I literally just took my shoes off. I literally <laughs> just did under I my really desk. Yeah. Rounded me into the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> really <laughs> buckle up. But that's mm-hmm. sort of why I think that happens. Mm-hmm. And whether or not you're buying into that full- concept that is not original by any means, right? This is my learnings. Um, I think we can all agree that it is hard to quit dieting and then just completely erode our brain and our framework of how it used to think. Mm -hmm. So at the very minimum, can we acknowledge that all or nothing thinking is really pervasive and we will apply it to a framework that's not meant to have it. Like intuitive eating is not meant to have it. There's Mm -hmm. an entire little section on what happens when you keep pouring bowl after cereal after bowl after cereal just because it's there just mm-hmm. because you're reading the newspaper and kind of talks about do you really need to eat it all which is like what doesn't intuitive eating tell me to just eat all and how much that i want no it, it, it's actually quite quite nuanced if you want to apply nuance to it mm-hmm. nuance doesn't sell and it doesn't go viral so right. that's on capitalism
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> oh you are so good you hit on so many important points and i feel like this is, you say exactly how I've been feeling. Because when I first started GTB, I was very, um, let's see, I without knowing it, I was focusing like, on it. I was taking a gray area approach and like in a non-diet way. And then I feel like I got really sucked into like the anti-diet and I started noticing myself being so hypocritical. I was like being so hypocritical saying, they shouldn't be doing that, but then don't use shoulds. And it's like, I was shaming people for having a black and white mentality. Meanwhile, (laughs) I was using absolutes, you know, like it was. So I think I, I love, I love the way that you, that you talk about it. And I, again, I know I've said it like 12 million times, but I love, yeah. I just love the approach that you take. And again, it's nuance. Like you said, it's you, you know, it's these big claims in these, you will change your life if you just allow yourself to eat the cupcake. Like that's that's what sells. Just like if you just don't eat the cupcake, you will change your life, you know? Um and wait, that's the realest, isn't the realest it? thing ever. And it's yeah. it's
1: like What is it doing? It's hitting on pain points. It's Mm -hmm. hitting on people's misery. Yes. It's a hard world out there. Mm -hmm. We're just going to make it all better because we wrestled with a cupcake or two. (laughs) We're
2: just not.
1: I I freaking wish, but that's not like. Because I could totally cupcake myself to happiness. (laughs) Yeah, Still have to navigate the rest of the world. So you're right. A lot of it's not only nuance and looking at the whole person, but it's looking at coping skills. I'm like, do you go to therapy? can I recommend someone for you? Like, um, what's your insurance? Like, it's like doing the step work with a client that it's more in line with probably what you do in wellness coaching. Mm -hmm. Really just like, it's not necessarily just like eat this, not that it's more of like, what do you need to be able to eat more regularly? Yes. Okay, great. If this is out of my scope, I'm gonna show you where to go. But if this is something I can point you in the right direction for, like, let's go for it.
0: Yes. Yeah, there's so many, cause I work with college students. There's so many college students where the biggest barrier to them, cause I focus a lot. I'd obviously not a dietitian, I I'm an intuitive eating counselor, but I do mostly like fitness coaching. And a lot of what prevents them from even getting active and going to the gym that the university like they're paying for it to go to is finances, <laughs> you know? And it's like working through all of that. And again, I think that on both sides of the kind of the spectrum or both sides of the pendulum or whatever, those those things get missed. So I'm, I think it's important that, that you hit on them. Um, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit more, because one thing that you said that you are really loving lately is this idea of like, goals and accountability from a non-diet lens. Tell us more because as, again, as a health and wellness coach, like goals are the shit to me. Like I freaking love them. Like that's what we do. We set goals. Um, and again, it's nuanced, but I think it's like finding a way to approach those goals from a place of like compassion and non-judgment and also recognizing that we need, so, we need support around us to help us reach those. So I, I just want you to unpack your brain when it comes to, when it comes to this.
1: Yeah, fun fact is when I come home from a vacation, I sometimes let my suitcase sit for four days.
0: You then... do not. I am an instant unpacker.
1: Oh, I will just I do my laundry. Before. I, this is a weird thing I learned from meaning, but I always do the laundry before I pack it to come home. So it's always clean
0: laundry. Um, my sister extra- does that, and I think that's brilliant. If you if you have the access to do it, it's nice. Yes. Um But uh, I will
1: try to unpack in a very neat way. So. <laughs> I think you hit on one piece, um, which is uh, you said compassion over judgment. Which I tell clients curiosity over judgment. So, Ooh, very um, so I like offering the idea of goals, even though it sounds like a, the G word for a lot of people, and accountability is the A word for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. so like I don't don't I don't need you to hold me accountable. But then when it comes to like hey, did you eat today? Like that sometimes I a good starting point to say well why why not what happened um let's talk through that like let's ask all the questions because you're not a bad person you didn't screw up today but what happened and then you kind of really digging through the curious part of your brain Mm -hmm. rather than the judgmental part for example a goal might be i want to lose 10 pounds right okay well that probably is rooted in a lot a judgment rather than like i'm curious what would it be like well, what would my energy levels feel like if i lost 10 pounds like mm. no one is asking that question mm-hmm. because typically when we have a goal of weight loss it's like because i want to look better i want to feel better i want to fit in my clothes i'm having a hard time i have an event coming up someone said something to me it's usually a gut judgment so i ask people to say well if that was your goal or or maybe you're struggling with the idea of goals at all because of diet culture and you're like where do i even begin um get curious with yourself ask yourself what would make my life a little bit easier how could I be nicer to myself how could I energize myself um and really look at like enhancement not that it needs to be this like biohack because you know I can't <laughs> that either like it's not like how do I like eliminate brain fog listen yeah. brain now it's gonna happen because it's 2022 and like I don't even know what day it is no like that's just kind of the new everything to us is like I don't know i'm just gonna wait for the latest meme to come out and tell me how i feel yeah <laughs> they we're very out of touch with where we are so curious thoughts versus judgmental thoughts to start mm. and then let's say okay that weight loss goal is now shifted it's like well i actually don't drink enough water and i haven't eaten a vegetable in four days and like my poop's really off mm. like i'm not feeling that That feels really uncomfortable i'm gonna set a goal to drink more water and try to eat one vegetable a day right we like a smart goal so maybe it's like one vegetable one one day a week one vegetable three days a week mm-hmm. prep one meal this week like something with a time on it so you can feel like it's attainable because sometimes big hairy goals you're just like there's no mm-hmm. way so be flexible
2: mm.
1: so if not one day or if not two days then one day mm-hmm. if your goal is to like get back into movement that feels good You're not going to, you know, use your whoop as a judgment. You're not going to use the Apple watch readout as a judgment. You're going to ask yourself, Hey, how did it feel? Would I want to go back and like really investigate it and be okay. If you don't want to go back to like whatever gym class you decide to try or, um, being flexible with a recipe, what happens when you meal prep that one dish for the week? And that's your goal, but the recipe sucks. Mm. You didn't know, but like somebody told you it was good and you're like, this is great. (laughs) You know, being flexible because the mm-hmm. flexibility offers the option for you to reflect on it.
2: Mm.
1: If you aren't being, if you're so rigid with your goals, you automatically just feel like, oh, I just I shit the bed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I messed it up. I will have to start over next week. Doesn't that sound familiar? Mm. We don't want to start getting into this, you know, diet laden space again, where it's like, oh, I'll just try again next week because that fuels all or nothing thinking, well, what are you going to do on Saturday, Sunday? Probably go to town on foods that yeah. might not make you feel better, even though your original goal is to just feel more energized. That's interesting how that happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So flexibility is huge. Um, I teach a lot of my clients one of two things, which is two second tasks and if-then statements, which are talked about a lot in Atomic Habits, um, which is a James Clear book. Um, some like trigger warning on that, like he does like really pull talk about fasting a lot um but in terms of just like trying to build stronger habits he talks a lot about just focusing on you know one percent better and mm. uh focusing on the little tiny pieces of it for example if a client's having a really hard time getting out of bed in the morning it's the only time they can go to the gym and they really want to go but they don't want to be hard on themselves we break it down into a two-second task which might look like taking the covers off of your body
2: putting
1: uh. your feet onto the floor two-second task might be laying your clothes out on your bed mm. you're like Just this is the putting (laughs) them, just like just (laughs) the putting them there, um, tying your shoelace, like just something, laying your shoes out in front of the door. Mm -hmm. What is the two second task that gets you a little bit closer? Knowing that you might not actually get to the gym, but you got two seconds closer than you did before.
2: Mm -hmm. The
1: second is if then statements, which sounds like if I don't go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, then I'll go for a walk two days this week mm.
2: um
1: just like if i'm inviting movement back into my life setting a goal and then also setting a backup plan mm-hmm. um, and then i also think being okay this is this is strange being okay to leave them
2: mm.
1: maybe this isn't the goal for you yeah um, for example i i do have a whoop i love my whoop um, i don't you know buy into so much of it but i really love the idea of being in a research study And the research study was on runners and they gave some runners one plan and some runners another plan. And I was on this like really cool run based on your recovery. It was awesome. I did become a better runner, but I did not finish it. And I really was like hyped up. I was like, yes, I'm going to finally get back into it but I'm not the runner I used to be. Mm. And I realized this is not a goal for me anymore. (laughs) This is not interesting (laughs) to me. It's 99 degrees here and people in Michigan are like having the time of their life running October. I am not. And I had to kind of lay it down and I didn't feel bad about telling people that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, how's your running thing going? I I quit. Mm. It wasn't a good fit for me. Um, So I think when you take away that, you take away the room for failure because you're like, whatever, it'll be what it is. It doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. No longer hurts to fail because it's Mm. not a failure anymore. It's like, oh, it just didn't work. There's a little even more nuance in there, which is it's still going to be hard. Like don't quit when it's hard, but do acknowledge if it's not a good fit for you anymore.
0: Yes. I really like that point. I talk a lot about like what you had mentioned, like the kind of the Starting small, like really small, the two-second goals, right. and then also you said like the if-then statements. I always say like having a backup plan, right? Like strategizing, you know, identifying potential barriers and strategizing to get to overcome them. But the but the le- being able to let go of a goal, I that that is huge, and I think that it's funny because as you were ref- mentioning that, I was reflecting on how many times in my past life or in my life so far i have purchased a fitness program (laughs) and i didn't stick with it and looking back it was because i wasn't eating enough food and i was like doing way too much right but i remember how badly i would beat myself up for it and and how i would be it's you know it's my fault and that i literally still have this like limiting belief inside me that says i can't finish it um And so I love that idea of incorporating this, like in kind of helping, helping a client or or a person to feel empowered to say no and to set something down. Like I, I love what you just said about that. That is so huge.
1: Yeah, and maybe no is like not now or Mm -hmm. maybe later, right? No, doesn't have to be a forever door shut thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm recently interested in running again, but like Mm -hmm. maybe it's not gonna be with a program and the calendar invites to myself to remind myself to do it. Like maybe it's gonna be different. And Mm -hmm. that is a beautiful, but very challenging thing to, to rest, you know, your ideas on because you are so so used to just saying like, I'm going to do it. And then because I did it, I'm great. Mm. You're great Mm -hmm. either way. You are starting amazing. And it would be really cool to hit this milestone in your life. So like, what does it entail? What does it require? And I love that you named that sometimes finishing these programs didn't happen because you weren't energized. You didn't have enough food. And so also that comes from curiosity, right? Of looking back and saying, why didn't it work? why isn't this a fit for me and saying, Oh, it requires me to eat more food. And I am very scared of that. I should probably instead invest my money in seeing a dietitian mm. or I should instead invest my time in unpacking that in therapy. Mm. Right. Like, yes, we don't have those conversations with ourselves or even like just calling a friend, talking it out, calling someone like you. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're just gonna think that you suck yes you don't
0: suck sometimes the goal sucks that is so true. Wow I'm having a um, a mind-blown moment just like I just I just think that that is that is like if we don't get curious about why a goal didn't work which again I, I do this with work with clients but it's the way that you frame it if we don't get curious and then kind of investigate why it didn't work, we just have this idea that we failed, we're a failure, we can't do the thing, and this thing is not for us or like I'm not for this thing. When really it's like, no, you know, maybe in a few weeks I'll try that again, but I need to get like these ducks in a row before I do it because that'll help set me up for success better. Like
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is coming from someone who did like the thousand squat challenge in heels in her classroom every morning. What? <laughs> like, you know, one of those like Pinterest. Oh, yes. Where, this is how you get to a thousand squats. Hmm. Josie is like, it was a bad time, mom. Like, <laughs> I think about <I'm> all <laughs> the time I've like trashed myself in front of Josie and she did that.
0: She oh,
1: look at that. her. She's like, I'm just going to give you kisses, mommy I just love you. Yeah, Yeah. Um, You know, but like, I've done it all, y'all. I've done Mm -hmm. every program. I drank Epsom salt water. I have no problem telling you all the ridiculous things I did in pursuit of doing it well.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Saying that I did it. Like, how many freaking yoga studios do a yoga attendance challenge? Like, Mm -hmm. one, we know why they're doing it. They want to encourage you. And also, it gets more people in the door. They want money. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and like, Thirty days. Well, if I go to yoga for thirty days, do you really think I'm going to want to go to yoga on the thirty first? No, hell no. No, I'd be so burned out on that yoga, <laughs> right? Especially with high yoga, you're literally burnt. Like, yes. there's just so many things that I would do. Think, mm-hmm. God, why can't you do that? Mm-hmm. Why can't you just do it? All these other people are doing it. Well, what do they have to tell themselves to get out the
0: door? Mm-hmm. And how is their life different and allows them to do that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: But- Ours doesn't, right? Like, again, it's yeah. like you mentioned access to things or if I have to work three jobs in order to pay for my rent, then I'm probably not going to be able to make it to the yoga studio every single day. Like,
2: yeah, there yeah.
0: so there are so many things that that we don't. And again, very diet culture that we don't take into consideration um, when it comes to being able to to achieve our goals and, and do those things. Mm hmm. You are just the queen. You oh, are- say
1: say nothing. That's not. Mm-mm.
0: Thank you though. No, I appreciate it. I just think that, and it's it's so funny because, um, as I was driving back home, I'd ran some errands earlier, and I was like, okay, I gotta get back, you know, for this interview, and I was just kind of thinking about it over my head. You like, I think that the teaching, I can just see how it informs your work and how it makes you a better. I can imagine it makes you a better like coach or dietitian or, you know, all the things. I feel like it does. And my Mm -hmm. mom had always said,
1: Rhea, you're always going to use that teaching degree. Don't discount that. Tell people you were a teacher. And for the longest time, I didn't. Mm. I was like, oh, no, like that's like no one's ever going to make the connection. No one's ever going to think that that's a good thing. And then people started to be like, whoa, you're really good at presenting. You really helped me understand that. Like people loved being in a study group when yes. I was like on the whiteboard and like go wild. Like, and I thought, huh. And now with clients, it's fun. So like, well, can you help me understand why I need carbs and protein after workout? Cause I'm really having a hard time with that. And I feel like I was told not to do that. And it's like, oh my God, let me tell you this story. <laughs> about what your muscles do. And so that English teacher in me is so vibrant and so needed uh, mm-hmm. to do the work that I do in the capacity that I want to do it. Mm-hmm. There are other dietitians that don't need that. Um, it's not required, but I, mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that because it has taken me a while to not be ashamed of how drastically different this career changes and to actually mm-hmm. really
0: embrace it as unique. Yeah, I can also see sometimes that, um, like I think about the one I don't even remember what it was in regards to, but you had it on like the back of an envelope and you were showing, do you yeah. know what I'm talking um, about? You have it on one of your. Year...
1: I, on, I did one on protein and I did one on like urges to lose weight. Yes. intermittent fasting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Like your, the, your, your activities and things that you think of and just the way that you approach certain topics. Right. Yeah. You're, you rock. Um, people need to know where to find you. <gasps> Tell us. Plug yeah. it come to this sweaty swamp and
1: experience swamp ass for yourself. No, don't do that unless you're very hydrated. Um, I would say email is great, right? If you have like a direct question, my DMS are a little bit sloppy. Um, so hello at MariaTerryNutrition.com. You can find me on Instagram. If you love the way that I'm talking about nutrition, I talk about it a lot on mm-hmm. that platform so vitamin underscore re ri and
0: that's probably those are probably the two best places to find me mm-hmm. i think yeah. you mentioned that you have um like is it like a newsletter or something i do yes yeah. okay so my newsletter is called sunday brunch thanks for reminding <laughs> me um
1: and it is for recovered bagel scoopers is what it's called and it's what you know people used to scoop the bread out of the bagel wow I never We're got to bagel
0: scoopers is what it I said. Ne- I never got to that point.
1: <laughs> it's rough. It's rough out there. Um I mm. grew up in the Northeast which is bagel capital so diet culture had a different brand. Mm. Um so with that being said, please sign up for Sunday brunch. Um it is a really targeted newsletter. It's Um, more long form. So I do write in it. I usually share a fun recipe or a fun thought that I'm having. I have um, a little blurb called the egg white omelet, which is um, a little essay on uncomfortable things, like little comfort things that happen when we unlearn diet culture. And then I'm also starting a little column. um, that's like a little help column. So you can write me a letter um, and I will answer it in the newsletter. Oh. I'm really excited about that. I just started that.
0: Oh my gosh. I need to sign up for Sunday brunch.
1: (laughs) And like, I think the graphics are great. It's very brunchy. Oh, and there's also, I make a playlist every week. So I feel like the best way to start the week is with a brand new fresh playlist, like get your Monday going. I kid you not, I listen to my own playlist and I jam out in here every monday morning and it carries me through the whole week it works for a walk it works for a lift it's like very vibrant and fun so that is updated even if you don't want to do the newsletter just search sunday brunch on spotify
0: what yeah maria you are so fucking cool
1: thanks <laughs> holy shit I'm like what do i love to do i love to write i love to listen to music i love this girl's little cutesy bottom teeth that you just oh got gosh, to meet. she's so um, darling so I try to bring things I love to you. And if it doesn't, if it's not a fit, it's okay. But if it is, it's a lot of fun.
2: Mm,
0: yeah. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Um, you are, I just love every, I love everything you say. And I love the way you say it. I love your facial thank expressions. You. I love how genuine you are. I love your dogs. Um, we love you too, oh. I love you too. And I love you too. Thank you. Thank you for oh. making space for all three of us today. Oh, Absolutely. Luckily, I my dogs would have been here, but Tyler took them up to the pond. Uh, it's Oh, it, it's it's a community pond. We don't have a pond. <laughs> we don't have a pond. We just live down from the city Our park. A
1: pond. A pond. B-A-W-N-G.
0: Yeah. Pond. pond. Tyler took the children <laughs> up to the pond. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah, dogs are always welcome. And... I just love that you you show up exactly as you are and you are you are you really do think that you're brilliant. I love the way that you talk about all these things and just that you take the whole person into account and you're not so you don't seem so tied to one way or another way that it's going to take away from the way that's going to work for a client. And so yeah. thank you. oh my gosh, absolutely not. It's very much informed by the client
1: i i'm very proud to offer client-centered coaching and that feels so in alignment with me um i don't i'm not attached to any frameworks not attached to anything at all So i find that's where things get really sticky right mm-hmm. so in yeah. effort to better serve people i do sometimes have to navigate my own gray areas a lot and feel well what is the best
0: opportunity right this moment mm-hmm. to help this person um and i'm so glad that it resonates with you it does. It really does. I feel like I'm going to have to have you back on because I have one, two, guessed? three, I have four guessed? other bullet points of things that, of oh. other topics. And I was like, oh yeah, let's get through this shit. But you're right. I just, I just, we can't get through it, through all of it. So you didn't have to come back. Um, The
1: context is, I did send Haley an email, and I was like, I don't think we're gonna get through it all.
0: (laughs) I was like, watch me. (laughs) You were right.
1: (laughs) It's okay. I've done this before. (laughs) I
0: know that these answers take time. Um, You are so good, and I'm and I'm glad that you didn't. Yeah, I'm glad that you didn't rush through them because everything you said had absolute purpose and. I can't wait to re-listen to this. I'm so Aww. excited. I love re-listening to episodes when I edit them. And I just feel like there's, I'm going to get a lot from this one when I re-listen to it. So thank oh, you so thank much. You. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of GTB. If you're enjoying this podcast, feel free to head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. You can also share this podcast on Instagram and tag me at Podcast. I will see you back here next week for another episode, but in the meantime, go give them the bird.